0: A doctor, a teacher, a clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there. You know I'm in trouble, and I know I'm in trouble. I tried to get into their heads and understand why. Pizza we have tonight, I, I, I wanna know who you are. I wanna know a little bit more about you first. Can I eat first? Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza. are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. We've investigated and exposed predators in big towns and small towns. Each one of them has, well, special memories, and each one is unique in its own way. One of them that really sticks out in my mind for a lot of different reasons is Flagler Beach, Florida. Now, this is about 20 miles north of Daytona and it's right on the beach, right on the Atlantic Ocean. Population, 5,000. And we really wondered, okay, in another small town, how many predators would show up? And we had done Greenville, Ohio in Dark County and had a fair number show up there, 18 if I recall correctly. And so we figured we'd get a fair number, a pretty good number. And this was a setup where we had a small home literally right across from the beach. Had a walkway, like a dock sort of thing, platform, and it went right down to the beach. And the days we were there, this was December of 2006, it was windy, sunny, but you know, chilly and windy that time of year in Northern Florida, not too far from Jacksonville, actually. And we got in, and in many cases, we stay in, um, you know, kind of a low profile hotel, but the producer had found this really nice resort probably 20 minutes, 30 minutes away from the actual Sting house. And we stayed there and it was a, a golf resort and they had tennis courts and a beautiful bar and restaurant. And it was really unique for us because we were used to kind of, you know, being in whatever town we were working and being on the down low. And we had these beautiful rooms. I think it was like a, a fractional ownership type situation. So if you bought in, you would actually own the condo But it was, you know, more like a high-end hotel room. It was lovely. We went for a run on the beach every morning. And it came to Saturday when we were going to have the largest number of men scheduled to appear in our investigation. And I remember because it was Christmas time, the holidays were upon us. And in Flagler, that day, that morning, they had the holiday parade. And all the police officers from Flagler Beach were working, providing security and traffic assistance for this parade. And I remember seeing the video later. I didn't go to the parade because we were trying to keep a low profile. And the same officers working the parade would be working one of the potentially biggest investigations of their career, at least one of the most high profile, later that evening. And in fact, that's what it turned out to be. The predator, and there are many who were significant in this investigation, but the one who sticks out the most is Mohammed Abdallah. And so it is that in this episode of Predators I've Caught, we will examine one of the three predators who is still in the wind. The chat was Pretty graphic. Online, Abdallah used the screen names Blondie 1972 and Midos 1972, the year of his birth. 5'7", 150 pounds, he was born actually in Egypt, and he had moved to Florida many years ago and took up a job in real estate, and apparently he was doing pretty well, and I'll get into that in just a few moments. But he was online in a chat room, talking to somebody who he thought was a 13-year-old girl, and she made it very clear, as in all these cases, uh, he was really talking to a perverted justice decoy at the time. But she, over and over again, indicated that, in fact, she was 13, and he continued in what was this very, very graphic conversation. Flagler Beach is also near Cape Canaveral, and ironically, this location was a place where we could actually see a shuttle launch which occurred that very Saturday evening when we were working. So as the chat is going on with our decoy, posing as a 13 year old, and Mohammed Abdallah, we're watching the shuttle blast off from Cape Canaveral on this beautiful Florida night. And left off, off. And it was quite a sight. And once that happened, we all hustled back into the house and got back to work. And sure enough, Later that evening, in walks Muhammad Abdullah. And he's well-dressed. He's got white pants and a cream-colored lightweight sweater. And he comes in, and I'll never forget this, because he was a little anxious. He drove around a little bit, parked in the driveway, and we had an on-site decoy, young woman. And she was in a robe towel, and she walked out and waved him in and he walked in, and they had a short conversation. Hi. How are you? How are you Good. How was your drive? And he was starting to pace around the room, and it made me think, okay, this is time for me to go in. And, and I walk in, and I confront him. And he's stark, obviously. Hey, how are you? you good. Why good my kind seat right over there? But he sits down at the little counter that we had set up, and we start in our conversation. And at this point, I had done six or seven of these investigations. So I was feeling pretty confident and I was feeling like I knew based upon our background checks, based upon the research we had done before these guys walked into our homes, whether or not they presented a danger. The police had done a background check, perverted justice had done a background check. There was no indication that he carried a weapon, no talk of violence. And so, you know, I was pretty, pretty confident and I had had a good opportunity to go through the chat logs in, in great detail. So... He sits down, and he immediately, after I ask him what he's doing there, starts spinning a series of excuses that would ultimately spin out of control. Abdullah wanted to know the girl's bra size, whether she slept with her old boyfriend, if she masturbated, if she's ever performed oral sex. Then he says he wants to perform oral sex on her. He suggests the girl perform oral sex on him. And Abdullah sends along naked pictures. Now, when you look at these, and they're online, you can take a look at them, and we'll we'll give you a link to some of this. There is a very distinctive necklace being worn by the man in the pictures. And this will become significant in just a little bit. And like most of our petters, Abdullah makes, you know, this date and He thinks that, you know, this girl's home alone. And he, by all accounts in the chat, is very, very excited to consummate this date. I start off casually with Abdullah. I say, hey, how are you? I tell him, why don't you have a seat right over there? He says, sure. I said, how's it going? Good. I said, you see the shuttle go off? He said, I was just here watching it. Oh, I say, okay. Okay. What made you come on over here tonight? Now, I know the answers to all these questions, but I want to see what he's going to say. He says, I was watching the rocket, then I came. I said, uh, hmm, all right. And then what? Then, Abdullah says, he saw the girl go outside the house. And I said, okay. And she told me to come in. So what, uh, what made you come on over here tonight? I'm oh, just the right there. Yeah. And so you just happened to be going by, and you saw this blonde woman out there. And she waved at you. <laughs> yes, she waved at that, that explains minute. everything. I said, so you thought, hmm, this is a good opportunity. I'm in real estate. Maybe I'll go take a look at this house. And he says, oh, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Then he says he believes that the girl owns the house. Yeah, she just waved at I'm you. I'm thinking she owns the house. I would try yeah. to tell her, what is it? And the yeah. justice, she say, come in, come, come in. in. Now, I'm getting ready to lower the boom here. And then I say to him, what an amazing coincidence. What an amazing coincidence. You're a lucky guy. You're just just driving along and this good-looking young girl waves you in. That's amazing. I know. Well, his evening is about to take a turn because I have the transcripts. Now, the problem with all that (laughs) is, is that I know that you were chatting online with a girl who said she was 13. She gave you directions to come over here. Did she say I was 13? She said she was well, there. was this? I, I don't know. I you was tell a me. with a, ch- a lot of people online. First, I confront him with the obscene pictures he sent our decoy. He had cropped them so you couldn't see his face, but it still looked like him. I said, uh, boy, this really looks like you. He says, yeah. Is that you, these pictures there? It looks like me, yeah. It looks like you? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I said, how about that one? He looks at it. He said... Okay, how about that one? It looks like me too. Yeah, that one? Yep. That one? It looks, yeah. yeah that one. Okay. And then I get back into the text. I said, you asked her what she's doing. You asked her what she's doing. She said, she's sleeping on her back. And you say, sleep on your back and open them wide open. But what did you mean by that? What is it? I don't know. This is your chat with a girl who told you she was 13. When was that? And he acts incredulous. I don't know. I would never say that that's not me. And I keep reading and he's getting obviously more and more uncomfortable. And what he tells me at this point is that he's married. He's got an eight-year-old daughter. He works at that time of the day based upon the timestamp of the conversation. He would be in his home office trying to put together real estate deals. And he would never have this kind of a conversation during his work day, especially in such close proximity to his wife and daughter this particular one was december 3rd at ten thirty-two and 29 seconds in the morning i was in the office at this time i don't chat in the morning you don't chat in the morning now this is where i know it's going to really really get uncomfortable with Abdullah because i'm about to confront him with his own words once again oh well here right here you say you're in your office So that's consistent with what you just told me you talk about licking her and he says well i have my wife why do i have talked to some girl i said why don't you tell me where is your wife abdallah he said he'd been with his wife for five years for five years where is she tonight she's home he said i'm not going to chat with a 13 year old you talk about licking her she says i don't really know much about." licking and stuff then you say you'd like to try she says might be interesting i will never say to someone like that never it will be nice i think you will love it never never ever he said i'm egyptian i'm muslim i don't do this it's not me you know i'm an egyptian i'm muslim i don't do this stuff i said hang on one second he starts to get anxious and he's gonna you know act like he's going to leave, like this is going to end in a good way for him, or at least he's going to get out of it. And as he gets up to go, I say, I'm Chris Hansen, and we're doing a story on men who try to meet underage kids online for sex. And he's going to get out of there pretty quickly. I say, if there's anything you want to say, we'd like to hear it. So he leaves. And the police are right there. The Flagler Beach police are right there. And he's not listening to their orders. He's not stopping. And they tackle him. Right there. In the Sandy driveway. More about this predator I've caught in a moment. Probably the most iconic line uttered by Abdallah in this particular investigation is I don't do as a Stuff. I don't do this stuff. It's his way with his accent of saying, I don't do this kind of stuff. But in Predator fandom, I don't do as a stuff has become quite a famous saying. Interestingly, Abdullah is taken to be interrogated at the police station. He refuses to answer the questions of then-Detective Liz Williams, great detective at that department who has since retired. But she does find that he's carrying $1,400 with him. There's 100, 200, 9, 10, 1, two, three, four, 1,400. Which was interesting. And we're not sure why. Maybe he was just one of those guys who made good money and had a lot of cash but that was never explained and he clammed up and decided he wanted a lawyer. I need my attorney. Okay. He was held in the lockup for two days and finally he got the bail money to get out. And we had a camera crew right there as he was living and he didn't want any part of this, obviously. I was not there, we just had the crew there, but he left without saying anything. And, and he continued to do some pre-trial court dates. But at some point, Abdullah absconded. He became one of three predators to, we believe, leave the country. We think he went back to Egypt, and we don't know the whereabouts of his wife and daughter, or if they went with him. He would be almost 49 years old right now. And there is still an active warrant for him for absconding. Now, you could give Abdullah a little bit of credit for sticking to his somewhat creative story about why he was there, but there was one thing that pretty much sealed his fate. Remember that unique piece of jewelry in the obscene pictures that he sent the girl, pictures of himself naked? Well, that piece of jewelry was around his neck when he was arrested. And it was photographed, and it was an identical necklace. In fact, it appears to have been handmade and one-of-a-kind. Now, his head was cropped off in those pictures, but you could see the necklace. And even when he was at the police station, he was wearing that same piece of jewelry around his neck. And I asked Detective Williams what that said to her, and, well obviously, she said. That evening when he was at our station, he was wearing the same uh, piece of jewelry around his neck. What does that say to you? It was him. Even though he cropped that off? Right. Abdullah made bail two days after his arrest. He was charged with three felony counts, attempting a lewd act upon a child, using a computer to send lewd images, and using a computer in an attempt to seduce a minor. Those charges carry penalties of up to 15 years in prison. Now, he pleaded not guilty. And because he was an Egyptian citizen, his case was also referred to the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Department, the feds. And if he had been convicted, Abdallah could have been deported after serving a sentence. But he left the country. He absconded. And here's the irony in the backstory and something I just figured out in researching this particular podcast, is that the other two most wanted predators who are believed to have left the country were also from the Flagler Beach investigation. And the two, you will recognize. This was the one time in all of these early investigations where two predators came at the same time, and I actually interviewed them at the same time. We've had many instances where they have come at the same time, but this was the first time I felt comfortable interviewing them for the first time. So there we had Tennis Boy 213 and Slaves for Mistresses right at the same countertop with me asking them questions. Now, the interesting thing about this was Slaves to Mistresses did not know who I was. He didn't realize he had got caught up in this investigation. He wanted to do BDSM with an underage girl and went into all kind of graphic details of how he wanted to be the human toilet for this girl. And Tennis Boy 213 had his own illegal and obscene agenda, but he knew who I was. And he looked over at one point during this interview and he said, you know, when we leave here, we are so effed. And that is a story for a later podcast. Those two absconders in real life were Yazan Asfor, who actually played basketball for the Jordanian national team. He is believed to have gone back to Jordan, and we've not heard anything about him since then. And the other fellow, Deepak Best, he's tennis boy, 213, he also has absconded. We think he's gone back to his native Nepal, Still facing charges. We have not heard much about him either, except there was a man of the same name who was apparently killed. The age would have been right, but that's a very common name in Nepal, so we really don't know whatever happened. But all three of those absconders are still facing charges. So if you come across them or their names or their whereabouts, you're asked to call the Flagler Beach Police Department. Flagler Beach was also interesting because we had done a number of investigations already, and there was some concern security-wise that somebody would figure out they were walking into predator investigation and that they would come face to face with me and that they may plan to do something violent. So it was the first investigation where I actually had the option of wearing a bulletproof vest, a Kevlar vest. Ronnie Knight, who uh, did all my security for those predator investigations and is a dear friend, a brother really to me, got me this vest and it was fit properly and we would take it on and off. But it was, I had worn them before on stories that involved, you know, drug raids or other dangerous assignments. But it was the first time that I actually was wearing one for eight, 10, 12 hours a day. And and they kind of creep up on you as the day goes on. And if you look at the video, there's some where we actually set up the confrontations across the street from the house on the beach, which gave it a different look production wise. And that's what we're trying to experiment with in that investigation. But because the surf was so high that day and so active, it presented sound qualities. So we had some difficulties there and we learned from that and we did other beach investigations afterwards, other outdoor confrontations, one at the Jersey Shore. And we had figured out a way to get the microphones in such a position with seashells, actually, so they would be protected from the sound. But when you look at some of that video that's uh, out there, you can see if you look closely under my shirt, I'm wearing a, a very thin bulletproof vest. Ronnie is wearing one, too. And obviously, Ronnie always carried you know his sidearm and just in the outside chance that something violent would happen, but again, I always felt it was just a precaution. Well, the lesson of Muhammad Abdallah, I think, is that once again, these guys come from all walks of life. This man was successful. He worked in real estate. He had a wife. He had a daughter. He had a life. And yet he chose to leave that comfortable home of his and drive almost an hour to get to our little home in Flagler Beach and to try to rape someone he thought was a 13 year old girl. The transcripts leave little doubt in this case as to what his intentions were. They were graphic, specific. The evidence that it was in fact him chatting, undeniable. We have the computer research. And the picture, of course, with him wearing this very unique piece of jewelry. I'd be curious as to what he's doing, if in fact, as we suspect, he went over to Egypt. I talked to the Flagler Beach police before recording this particular podcast. Uh, Detective Williams and the police chief at the time have retired a few years back. And so far, no hits on the outstanding warrant for Mohammed Abdallah. I wonder how he explained this to his wife and daughter. We have a email set up. It's chris at predatorpodcast.com. If you have any information about Muhammad Abdallah or anything you want to tell us about any of the other predators I've caught, reach out to me there. We look every day. And already we've gotten a lot of good information. And not just information on future podcasts, but on future projects as well. We'll see if Mohammed Abdallah ever turns up. If he does, he faces 15 years in prison. In the meantime, I will talk to you next week on Predators I've Caught. I'm Chris Hansen.